Planning Commission meeting to order. Ted, would you call roll, please? Christy, you got the sheet. Uh, I do not. Or Christy, or we could self. We could self do it. Oh, did, I'm here. Did the other yeah. night? Would you like to do that? Sure. Is it recording? Yes. Go ahead. Greg Yeager present. Bill Norris present. Billy Mitzelveld present. Roberta Marshall present. Troy Brookshire here. Andy Benjamin here. Everybody else is absent. <laughs> <laughs> Good note. First item on the agenda tonight would be to see if the public come to give us any uh, questions or comments regarding anything not on tonight's agenda. And seeing nobody in the audience, we will dispense with item number two and move directly to item number three, <coughs> the request to table. King Creek Ranch Special Use Permit to November 21st. So moved. Second. Second. Bill. Discussion? Those in favor of the motion say yes. 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 Those opposed say no. Chair votes yes. Items for discussion, item number four is residential treatment facility standards. Christy? That would be me. Okay. Um, one second. Okay, so this is a follow up discussion to the September 24th discussion on two items for tonight that are proposed amendments to our regulations. The first item you just referenced is the residential treatment facility uh, recommendations. Uh, the Board of County Commissioners just discussed this this past Tuesday, so I apologize there wasn't a lot of updated information in your packet. Um, so for those that weren't here back in September, I think that might be the majority of you actually, and for our newest member, um, just to explain, occasionally we will bring items before you all um, for discussion on proposed amendments to our regulations. And they usually stem from uh, discussions we have internally or questions we get from the public or if we see some things that may need to be discussed to make more clear in the regulations, we'll bring that before you. So this topic, um, some of you may be familiar who were here um, a couple of years ago when Foundry came through and, um, you know, I, I put, I basically summarized that up here on the screen for you, but the issue is that the county doesn't have a formalized process for residential treatment facilities. Um, we have processed them as uses that share similarities to the use. For example, the foundry, when that came through, that was processed as a guest ranch. Um, you also had seen in the past Hughes Bed and Breakfast. That had a recreational facility component to it, and they also offered some rehabilitation services. 
That use, just for the record, is, is no longer in operation. Uh, that was up in North Route around the park area. Um, the foundry was originally processed as a guest ranch, um, and that was processed as a special use permit. After it was reviewed, it was recommended for denial um, based on intensity of use specifically. I think at that time they came through wanting 24 patients at the facility. After they were denied, um, they then came through under our existing definition of family, uh, which under our definition of family, this is just B. We do have a definition of family under A, which is what you would um, think would be a traditional family under the regulations, but B is specific to how the foundry came through and we had to process the application. And under B, um, it states five or more persons, but not more than 12, that are not related by blood marriage, adoption, or legal custody occupying a residential dwelling unit and living as a single housekeeping unit if the occupants are handicapped or disabled persons as defined under the Fair Housing Act. Um, and the Fair Housing Act specifically protects um, classes from being discriminated upon. And under that, persons recovering from drug and alcohol addiction are deemed disabled under FHA. So therefore, um, the um, FHA says that there needs to be reasonable accommodations, rules, and practices in order to allow housing for the disabled. So we've remained compli in compliance with, um, with the law. Um, by processing these applications. We found reasonable accommodations to do so, and either we processed them as a similar type use based on what they're proposing, or it comes through under the definition of family. So the issue here is, um, so we do need to make reasonable accommodations, um, but the current practice, it's not transparent because it, the foundry, when they came through, it's not a guest ranch. Um, you know, and they had all sorts of other type of services to support the use. Um, also, if it comes through under the definition of family, um, it's under FHA, it's considered family. Um, they are considered stable, but it's not truly a typical family of what you would normally see. And there's generally supportive type accessory uses that go along um, with the use to support it. Um, such as um, therapy and counseling rooms that are outside of the main structure that you wouldn't typically see um, in a regular residential setting. So what we would consider normal and incidental to a single family dwelling. So we researched other regulations out there. Um, in addition to the three you see up here, Garfield County, Jemison County, and Steamboat Springs, we also looked into Summit County, which actually does not have a current pra uh, process either. Um, and um, they didn't give me much direction of how they would process something like this. So I moved on to Eagle County um, and tried to reach out a couple of times and um, didn't really get very far with Eagle County as well, unfortunately. Um, but 
researching these three up here, I would say all three of the examples up on the screen have newer regulations, so they are in compliance with the regulations. This is a newer territory, I'll say, that I think a lot of um, jurisdictions are struggling with trying to become compliant. Similar to recently us going through updating our sign regulation, our sign code, um, so we would be compliant. Uh, City of Steamboat Springs definitely has the, mo the most robust regulations out there. Um, and just to break it down, we'll start with Garfield County. Uh, they do not currently have a definition of family, which seemed to be a common element I found in all of the regulations. And it's, it seems that's because there is a process that um, is in place for all three of these entities. So under Garfield County, um, their regulations were, were pretty loose. Um, they did have a process. It was processed as a limited impact review, mainly an administrative process. There was no limit on the number of persons and these, that, that could be allowed in one facility and they were permitted in all their residential zone districts. They did have some standards um, that I thought were very good, that they included limits on proximity to other group homes, um, and there were some health and safety type um, standards in there that they had considered. Um, Christy? Yes. What's their definition of a group home? Um, I do have that one second. While I am looking for that, um, so their definition of a group home is a facility operated by a public nonprofit or private agency that provides care or supervision of persons who are not related by blood, marriage, or adoption. So they do, they took a hybrid of the definition of family, if you've noticed, and they incorporated that into their definition of group home. Um, and then it goes on to say, to the facility, um, it, it basically just uh, follows the definition of family after that, but it's, it's more number of a hybrid. Of, number of people allowed? 12, 8, 10? No, it, it, they, they didn't have any, any no sort limit. of limit. <coughs> yeah. Um, Next to me. Let's see. Um, I also looked into Pitkin County while we're talking about it, and I just have the definition in front of me. Um, and there said the group home, each group home shall remain in compliance with all local, state, federal health, safety, and fire code provisions at all times. Each group home that is required to be licensed by the state of Colorado shall obtain a license prior to beginning operation and shall maintain the license in good standing at all times. So um, they didn't have much, it was actually a limited type review as well. It was basically like you just have to provide this information and you can have a group home. There weren't limitations on size or anything like that. So, um, so moving on to Gunnison County, they used the term group home, and it's just one definition. Uh, there was no limit on, on the number of persons either. 
um, and a group home could be occupied by the elderly, disabled, or mentally ill person, so it covered a broader scope. And the process was a minor land use change permit, so it went to Planning Commission. And standards they had were compliance with building and fire codes and located near services. Um, so essentially wouldn't be out in the county someplace. It would be closer to services. Um, and then we have the city of Steamboat Springs, and they have like a group living category. They cover everything from a shelter house to a halfway house, but if we are talking just the limited scope of a um, of a group home, they have it divided into two categories for small and a large. Uh, they call it a residential care facility, and that is permitted in all residential zone districts. A small is eight or fewer, and a large would be eight or more. The difference with the numbers from what I discussed with um, Rebecca over the city is because the city falls under the municipal code, whereas we don't, and that, that number in state statutes under municipal is different than it is for, for us. So that's where those numbers come into play. Um, the process would be a limited use permit for the small, so essentially administrative. If you meet specific standards, you get the per, you know, you, you, uh, you're allowed to do the use. Um, and then for a large facility is a conditional use permit, which is different than it is here. Their conditional use permits do go to city council. So it would be comparable to a SUP here at the county. Um, as you can see, I mean, everybody seems to, <clears throat> there is a broad spectrum of how different entities review and look at um, these kind of operations. There definitely is sensitivity to that smaller type of facility as to um, putting restrictions. I think that standards are, are very appropriate. You can see that standards do apply. Um, but based on the research, the large facilities, or if you're going to talk more than what is defined under family? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I think that that is where more more review um, would be appropriate. And so recommendations. Um, the last time we spoke and BCC um, agreed, they recommended option three, which. Um, would be to consider a new line in the land use chart. Staff would recommend that we do look into, we get away from processing things under the definition of family and creating a line in the land use chart to at least have some sort of oversight. Yes? Um, how would you see this being different from the <coughs> senior center and nursing home line item? So the senior center or nursing home or nursing home. I think that this would be specific to my next slide. 
may answer your question. So okay. it would be, this would be the definition. And, and this is just a starting place, by the way. And literally, I think I took this from uh, the state's website for what a residential treatment facility is. This obviously can be crafted and we can uh, wordsmith this, but it would be specific to substance abuse, mental illness, or behavioral problems. Um, and obviously this would be coordinated procedurally. Once we have these early on discussions on whatever the topic is, we always coordinate with our county attorney along the way once we establish some sort of um, bookends on the topic um, or see where it's going to, what direction you're all thinking, and then we will coordinate with county attorney. But do you, do you have like a limit on the nursing home size? Is there... We don't have really any standards <clears throat> for a nursing facility, um, except for, I mean, it's only, I believe, allowed in the commercial zone district and the, I don't put it in front of me. Uh, actually, it's in Ag Forest. I'm reading it right. Ag, oh, that's school, sorry. MHR, and then... Uh, as a special use permit under GR, LDR, MDR, and HDR, mm -hmm. and even commercial. But not in the AG. Not in the AG or MRE. Right. Well, that might. <coughs> but, but we have no standards. Um, it would require. Um, in the commercial zone district, like most uses, it would require site plan review, um, but it wouldn't require any of those things in our other zone districts. And to Chad, I don't know if you can agree. Have you ever processed one? Not here. Yeah. Well, I think the difference for me, those aren't necessarily under the federal law. Mm -hmm. So therefore, I think we're getting pushed into this um, treatment facility based upon the federal Supreme Court determination. If you just want to come in and open up a senior center or a, a nursing home, I don't know that that would be protected under the same Supreme Court direction. That's, well, I just wondered true. if you could just change that line item to say and residential treatment facility and call it a day. <laughs> I mean, would, would, there, would you want standards to comply? Though? Yeah. That's, that's so that's up for everyone to discuss. Right. So, I mean, the direction and the follow-up from BCC the other day, um, they liked, I think, the direction of the, of the large and the small. Um, they felt that there definitely should be some standards and... Um, I guess ask staff to, um, well, they did ask, directed staff to okay. come up with a bunch of standards. And so that's, this is a starting place here, and, and they wanted to get your feedback on some standards. Some of these, I feel, could apply just for a small facility versus a large facility. Um, they also felt that for a small facility that um, it should be allowed in all zone districts where a single family would be allowed. Basically, I don't want to say a hands-off approach, but um, 
but really the oversight and the more robust review would be for a large facility. Um, so looking at some of these standards, um, you know, we put standards in there that I think are appropriate about, you know, all the federal, state, and local permits. As you know, that's generally made a standard condition of approval in, in most use permits that you review. Um, and then also that the operation shall comply with all federal, state, and local laws. Um, I did like the language I just read to you from, I believe it was Pitkin County, um, about, uh, of course, I don't have, I've, Put that someplace else. But, uh, oh, that each group home required to be licensed by the state of Colorado and shall obtain a license prior to beginning, uh, prior to the beginning of the operation, and shall maintain the license in good standing at all times. I thought that was a pretty good language um, for for some oversight of these things. Um, I think one of the concerns I would have, and just from my experience of reviewing some land use permits elsewhere is um, you just want to make sure that, I mean, I, I see there's a need for these kind of uses. I think we can all pretty much agree with that. Um, and you just want to make sure um, that they are legit operations if they're going to come in under something like this. Um, I've seen um, the, the biggest one. I've processed more churches than um, I, I care to ever want to process again. Um, and, you know, I don't know how many of them were, you would see them in shopping centers or wherever. And, you know, um, it was a limited review. It was, it, it's also a hands off type. Um, approach, like you're limited with some of the review, um, and I just wouldn't want to see that here, so I think having some sort of documentation of them having some sort of license, appropriate licensing um, would, be, would be appropriate here. Um, I think a locational requirement would be good. Um, typically, you would see that, uh, uses that shouldn't be located, uh, usually the standard's a thousand feet. I just arbitrarily put that out there, frankly. Um, but it's basically so you don't have saturation of these kind of uses or any sort of use that you wouldn't want to see a bunch um, all coming in together like in the same neighborhood. So I think that that would be um, an appropriate uh, uh, standard that we can talk about. And then I think one of the concerns we, we spoke about at BCC, and I know it's come up here in the past for other type of operations, is, you know, if the use goes away, then what? So <clears throat> along with the fact you want these uses, if you were to consider them out in the county, that they maintain that rural character and that ranch compound feel and clustering of buildings um, that that um, if the use were to go away, then it'd still be in keeping with uses by right in the AF zone district. I don't know how you feel about that. Um, I 
put up two other standards. If located in a residential zone district, accessory structures must be clearly incidental to and supportive of the use of the site. Um, I don't know if that's really redundant of the second one. Applicant must provide proof that if the use ceases operation, buildings and structures on the site can revert back to uses by right in the AF zone district. Um, and my thought process there, I mean, this would be, I guess, specific to a large facility, um, but that you can have one primary use and you can have one secondary use, but um, and that would meet the 800 square feet because if it wasn't there, that's something that you can already have. Um, and it would allow for that cluster type feel because we have those um, distance requirements from um, a secondary dwelling unit to the primary. I don't know if this is getting too restrictive um, or um, you know, or if this is something that you would see appropriate, but it kind of is a takeoff from some of the comments from the commissioners as well. Um, let's see. Oh, and then um, for specific to a small uh, facility, it would be a small residential care facility shall be conducted within a single family dwelling. Um, you know, I guess to prevent a secondary unit on a property um, Does that mean that they couldn't have an accessory building? Like when that gentleman was here the other day, he's talking about, I don't know, whatever so, they use this. So that's one of the problems currently is that if you come in under the definition of family, you're going to be reviewed as, as one. Okay. Um, so, for example, the foundry um, may want or we know that they've asked for additional buildings on that property. And, you know, they have numerous yurts and they have some auxiliary buildings for treatment and therapy rooms, but they're supposed to be a family and processed as such. So we're kind of in this. They, they didn't need the definition of accessories relates to a single so by this would provide them an avenue right now to come in as a small facility, but also have an allowance for some of these structures um, as, as accessory to the overall operation. Um, I think one of the discussions from the commissioners was, you know, was that would we want to see the main lodge or main building for the use with the um, for where the patients are sleeping, um, eating and cooking. Do you want to see multiple cabins? And, and, and I don't even know if that is even allowed under state licensing. I, I feel it may. I think you need oversight and, um, but. That would be more of why staff put up there, um, you know, if located in a residential zone district, you know, the accessory structures and that it can be reverted back. That's where that language came from, just to kind of see where you wanted to go with that. Um, or not at all. <laughs> um, and then pretty typical is any external modification shall not alter the single family residential character of the building. Um, and that would be more, more typical for a small residential 
um, care facility in a residential neighborhood, you wouldn't want them to alter the building in any way that you know wouldn't it would take away from the residential character. Um, and then there's a standard that the use shall be proportionate to the size of the site. Um, and again, that, that is part of your review anyway, um, but that if it was made a standard, it would allow for the applicant to appropriately address that in their application for you all, as well as if it was a standard for the small, that, um, you know, that would be a standard that they would have to meet. So this is just a starting place. It's a lot of information. I understand. <laughs> so. the, the goal for the next time you get on this topic is to actually have some draft regulations in front of you. You know, probably not for adoption, but it depends on things on what happens between you now and then. Um, but by even not necessarily crafting any language that's up there, but just more or less giving us ideas that we could use to prepare uh, draft regulations is what we're hoping for tonight. Okay. Thoughts? Questions? Issues? Who wants to start? And I, I can throw one more thing in. I think it's bullet number three that she has that the operation shall be in keeping with the residential and rural character of the area. Um, I would anticipate that that would be hashed out more to describe what that means. You know, because when I think of a large facility in the AF zone district, you know, I doubt the community would be supportive of a parking lot on the street side, you know, glass doors like you would normally see in, you know, an office or a traditional treatment type facility or a business, you know, that it would have more of a residential, uh, you know, feel, or appearance to it. And, and we can definitely come up with uh, some criteria for that. Should this be allowed in every zone district? To me, I kind of think that mostly everything other than mining, I don't see mining really making sense for it, <laughs> but I said it before industrial, I could see like a halfway house or something like that where someone is trying to produce and give someone a skill as well as trying to do treatment as well that could possibly uh, be in the district in that regards. Uh, to me, high density, I can kind of go both ways on that as well, where you know you almost don't want to limit them to be in a high density area because then there will be so many other people that could affect as well, and you want them to kind of have their own space and their own treatment. But there again, something just like a senior center, they would maybe be closer to treatment or different things like that. So I go half and half on that side, but me so you're saying proximity to to care other care facilities and different things like that other amenities that could possibly help them um, so you know like a hospital for we, a we, treatment we call them growth centers Okay. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. That, that's a better way to put it for the master. I, I think growth centers and services. Well, that well, is true. No, you are okay. correct. Okay. So, is it not necessarily prohibited in the AF zone district, but a standard for proximity? <clears throat> yeah. I, I mean, to me, the, 
the character is going to be the big thing for each of the zone districts. I, I think each character for each zone district has a different feel, and you have to kind of have that light-mindedness of where you can revert back to what it uh, should be in that zone district. So without trying to identify it right now, I think what – and jump in, of course. But yeah. I think he's saying we need a standard in the review – for proximity to services. Yes. Yes. Okay. I got it. Yep. Bill. I have to agree. We went through that with the foundry because it wasn't close enough to the proximity of other services. It should have been closer to the town. I think that was a lot of the discussion of it's popping right up in the middle of uh, ag forestry. And that seems to be the which way do we go. But if we did put some kind of questions as to how can we make it closer to the growth centers? It would help us to eliminate the uh, industrial uh, rehabilitation center hospital that we were talking about for the foundry just showing up on somebody's farm. <clears throat> and a lot of the things that we use for the foundry, we hashed that over up one side and down the other that if we could, we would have put it someplace else, but we didn't have any restrictions in this. So I think you and, and Greg are both saying that you're okay with the AF zone district given certain criteria and standards, right? Yes. I won't pick on Bill right now. How about Roberta? Um, well, I thought you had a lot of good ideas. I thought definitely being near services. I completely agree with that. Um, you know, I just, for example, even Hans P. You think about how far away that is from a hospital if that's something that yeah. is needed. Um, so, I, growth centers for sure. And then uh, compliance with the building clothes and the fire codes, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I like the, your, the staff's ability to do this administratively on the small permits. And um, Colorado license I thought was a good idea. I think the, the thing for me that is of interest is scale. Because if I don't know how big these things could get, mm -hmm. but if they get to be too big, then all of a sudden you've got um, parking lots and traffic and staff right. and visitors and deliveries, and it becomes really that's why I was looking at the nursing home one because to me that it feels like the same kind of facility. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think you need 500 acres to do something, a large facility, but I think we ought to have some sort of limit on the, the size for the large, you know, acreage requirement for the large facility. Meaning um, 35 or more, or, or you, or I think what you are saying is that you shall be proportionate to the size of the site and the character yes. of the site? Yeah. So something, okay. Okay. Andy. Well, in general, I agree with the I agree with the discussion. I think on the topic of proximity to services, you're kind of getting into the difference between a guest ranch and a group home, or calling a residential care facility. Whereas a guest ranch, like, is about recreation and lifestyle, and not say it's like therapy on your own, <laughs> but has some kind of actually component to it. Whereas this like a group home or a recreational care facility could have recreation as a component to it, horseback riding, cross-country skiing. And so 
you're cutting down on van trips or trips, you know, from one site to another if that stuff is encompassed all on one site. So I don't think it should be limited. I like the idea of having regulations and levels of review based on intensity of use and in an AF zone district, you're looking at a higher intensity of use, so it should probably be a higher level of review. Um, I like the licensing requirements, the location standards, you know, in proximity to others, the visual appearance to promote rural character, I think that's important. And you talked about scale. I mean, anytime like we look at plans and talk about things, we're talking about the context, context of the scale. Um, and the different components that go into making it. So that should be part of the review process anyway. Thank you. Um, you got build on there stuff. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't want to put him on the spot. Um, one of my first thoughts in considering these things were... Um, Perhaps not allowing them in the AF zone district. Um, so therefore, our opportunity to create these type of facilities in Rock County would essentially be in MRE zone districts. And of course, you would have a complete neighborhood <laughs> implosion. Freak out. Yeah. yeah. I know what would happen in my neighborhood. Well, but, what do you mean? But I mean, having said that, if you if you look at that master plan and the language contained in the master plan, I'm not sure these uses uh, comply in the AF zone district um, across the board, Troy, or more specific to a large facility. Well, I don't think I don't think it's going to end up there. So maybe I'm just uh, throwing something out for uh, yeah for the sake of uh, thought. Mm -hmm. Because I do think that there's a path to get there if you don't want it in uh, California Park or up north of Hayden or out on the Williams Fort, south of Hayden or up Dunkley. I mean, I think there's places that. I think I've heard you all say that wouldn't work based upon those standards because we're all seem to be in agreement that we need to be near a growth center. Um, so if it's a if it's doable, I guess somehow we have to identify what near a growth center would mean for proximity. I feel kind of strongly that there's a potential for these things to, like Christie's example with the churches back east. So everybody come in and said, I'm a church, I'm a church, I'm a church. And so they were building churches everywhere or converting <coughs> to churches. And nothing wrong with that, but I don't think that's our intent. And, and therefore, one of the criteria I'm wondering if we could require would be they have to have a, um, a licensed professional as part of the staff. Um, and I'm not sure if that means 24-7 or if that means, I'm not sure what that means. We're just kind of 
dipping our toes. Because it's in a medical treatment center, they need to have a director somehow. Well, and I'm just afraid that you got, you know, ten people that come out here and say, "Well, oh, I'm a treatment facility," and so you have all these uses in the AF. I use AF Zone District littering the county. And I don't think that's what we're trying to accomplish. I think what we're trying to accomplish is finding the ability to have these things, but make them legit. Mm. And that's why I completely agree with this reversion. And I think it should be part of the application. Okay. So if you have an application that comes in front of us that says, I'm going to be a treatment facility and I need five buildings, you can build your five buildings for your permitted use but when you decide to go back to Florida or California and this thing is sold all of those structures need to be able to revert to some sort of AF yeah I'm sorry Chad conforming status yeah I mean something associated accessory to the use by right which is a single family residence so I feel kind of strongly about that, that if we go out here and build a bunch of buildings in the county for these facilities, that's fine, assuming they get approval, but then when they're gone and that thing is still out there stuck in the county somewhere, it can revert to something that looks like Rock County. So I'd like to see us keep that out there. This is very minor, but I would suggest that we use the term group home going forward. Okay. And it just seems to be standard with these other counties. Yep. So I think that's minor, but uh, it was on my list. I'd support that. Billy, did you have any thoughts, comments? I, I definitely was confused with the title, Meyer, so... I agree completely with that. Did you think it was a septic system? I really about? did. I, I thought well, it was some kind it's of It's funny utility. you say that because you share the same concern that um, Steve Warnke had hmm. our last discussion on this. And um, I don't know, did I not include it in the slides? That's because that we, we changed. Oh, so I, I crossed out treatment <laughs> on there and I said residential care facility, and that's how that term came about. So we could either continue with residential care facility or we can, you know, move on and look at definitions or we could coordinate with our county attorney on there could be a legality or some sort of reason one might be preferred than the other, but we can look at both and when we come back, give you those options. But. Roll by the branding. <laughs> Maybe we can. Come up with the logo. Come up with the logo. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so since I'm new, I know I shouldn't say too much, but I, the proximity issue, uh, you know, just kind of jumping in this or, makes a lot of sense to me. So I would, you know, that jumps out to me. Which, 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 which proximity? Well, the, um, I'm sorry. I said, I'll, I'll stay on that subject, okay? Um, uh, no, because there was two that we were talking about. We right. were saying proximity to a, well, another similar use or to a growth center. Um, both? Well, kind of both. So, I mean, it's kind of like services, to me, kind of was thinking like utility services. Yes. Right? And I guess, I don't know how that applies. I mean, if, they, if they've got all the stuff they need on their big their rural site, do they really need to be 
near municipal service. I don't know what that means. Okay. I'll just throw that out. Fair enough. And the other, I guess what I, go ahead. No, I, I just wanted to encourage you. I mean, I, I know this is your first um, meeting, but, and I apologize for not introducing you at the beginning, but I think we all were introduced to you. But I want you to feel free to jump in and this kind of work session at, at any time something pops in your head, throw it out there. You know, you know what they say, you got to be careful what you wish for. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's all right. So, well, so the other one, so I got the other one, and I, I kind of got myself a little backwards, and that was the um, so clarification on services would be great, but the other subject, definitely consensus for everybody, is the reverting back. I mean, that just, that's just like a no brainer. To me, I'd like to say it's new to me, but it's that's a no brainer. I agree. Next topic that strikes me is this intensity of use discussion, and we have somewhat of a small facility, and then above twelve, yes, becomes a large facility. So, does, does Planning Commission have any uh, suggestions as? trying to link some sort of acreage number with the size of the facility. Great. Not an acreage. I would just say for the size of the facility, I think uh, administrative permit for the smaller ones that are basically what we would constitute as family already, and then more so for the bigger ones, uh, kind of having the higher restrictive SUP uh, to be able to look at it. But Acreage-wise, um, I, I don't think for a small care facility that there really needs to be anything uh, in, in that retrospect. Uh, for a larger facility, um, I, it, it's hard for me to really gauge outside of, you know, kind of like if that house fits the character of the zone district and that kind of stuff, and you would see a normal size ranch and that size that that, that would be permittable so it just be kind of the character of the zone district again I, I can't put a, uh, a a sheer amount on anything just to be clear though the zone district doesn't have anything to do with square footage of the other building well when you look at an AF I guess we were talking earlier where it can be different and, and it does get some but like an AF zone district the uh, size for uh, utilities and different things like that is so much greater that it's going to be harder to uh, put something on on a smaller parcel for those kind of standards. And because of that, um, you usually will find a bigger parcel in those zone districts. Kind of my theory on it. As you remember, one of the items that the planning commission wanted to discuss in the update of the master plan was some kind of a measure of intensity of use. So, you know, if, if we can't think of the standard for that, you know, then we'll still try and pursue a policy over the next year, year and a half of the master plan update. Are you talking like a floor area ratio, like a measurement, a metric that says well, this many acres gets you this, subtract your buffer? Well, we don't have anything now. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, moving forward with that, you know, it's, I don't know, I guess we'll, you know, we start having that discussion. Well, Bill, any thoughts? About it. Sorry. So I, I tend to agree with Greg with we go to the smaller ones, but how many smaller ones are we going to put into one big parcel like you were talking? If we had 
the two that we have on the floor, one's 35 acres and we get 12 people. So if we get 2,000 acres and we want to split that up, how many 12 person houses is that on 2,000 acres? So if we move it back to some of the uh, restrictions we're talking about closer to a growth area and we've got uh, a smaller area and you want larger areas, I think we have to come up with some more definitions that aren't presented to keep <coughs> the larger ones towards the growth areas. Because three strands is talking, well, we can put it in another house over there and get 12 more people. How many times are they going to break that 2,000 acres up to get 12 more people? That's where I'm going. So if we keep it out of how to keep it out of some of those areas. It's like Andy was saying, if we have smaller treatment requirements for if you're just going out to ride horses and take care of the ranch and you don't have a doctor on site, is that not working with the things that we're wanting in a treatment facility? Can they get away with that and still be a guest ranch or a treatment facility? That's all we've got right now. So where I'm going with that is, uh, I think it um, needs to be regulated to the smaller ones. And, uh, the larger ones should not be out in the bigger ranches. You have to allow for that opportunity. What if somebody's plan is to have an operational ranch and part of therapy is working on the ranch doing chores doing these types of activities that normally they wouldn't be exposed to so I think you have to have some opportunity for that whether it maybe goes through a PUD process which is the most restrictive PUD process that has to occur you can still have all those things about it being developed as a ranch so that if it was to sell, it could revert back to being an operational ranch. But to limit those activities, I think, would be somewhat narrow-sighted. It's not like they're going to pop up all over the county. If you know that after a certain limit, then you want to see the more detailed plan, one approach is to come up with a whole bunch of Standards, especially you know, as far as the regulations go, right? So we're talking about oh, if it's more that crosses this limit, then we got all these regulations. It seems to me like the other option is all right. It's a special now. It's a special use review or PUD, right? So you don't define all these other rules. You just say okay, you, you cross the threshold. Now we're going to look at everything. That's just an idea, Roberta. Well. From my perspective, I think your comments are well taken. And um, from my perspective, the most important thing is a kind of a combination of your two comments. Is, is that if it if it is a larger facility, it needs to look like a ranch. So there ought to be specific architectural uh, description of what that means in terms of you know a rural architectural design. And the buildings need to be clustered. So maybe by clustering the buildings and having a limitation on, you know, how close they need to be to each other, like we've talked about with, you know, secondary units, 
that might solve the problem that you're thinking about where you're taking a big ranch and you know having one after the other after the other of houses. They have to be clustered and look like a ranch compound and it has to meet the architectural criteria of, of what a ranch looks like. Because breaking it up into houses, now you're talking about a subdivision process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why a PUD might make some sense. It's just this, that extra level of review. You have to go farther than anything else, and it's that way for a reason. Mm-hmm. provides the ultimate protection for the county. And it I just has to avoid being super onerous. Like I, that's the one complaint about them. It can be somewhat, like, they're viewed as restrictive. And I think that there needs to be some sort of screening criteria, too, so that they're not right on, they're not in too close proximity to an existing resident or another residential lot. Well, you're talking about for every, for take your property line 15 feet off of that, take the square footage, divide it by 400, you're required to have X number of trees per square foot. Right. You're talking about doing like these actual standards for landscaping and screening and setting those up. That would be like only for the bigger stuff. Right. What yeah. about for like smaller stuff, administrative re- approvals? I think there ought to be screening. If it doesn't, if it's big, I don't, you know, if it looks like a single-family house, that's one thing. But if it's a larger facility, it ought to be screened somehow. What if it has modern architecture versus a ranch architecture? Well, you can have a modern ranch design, right? I mean... I've seen them, yeah. Yeah. You indicated on a small one... Yes. ...that... They perhaps fit in a single-family type dwelling. Yes. Okay. Although twelve seems like a lot to me in a single. It, it would say a small residential care facility shall be conducted within a single-family dwelling. But twelve sounds like a lot. Eight feels still like a lot. But <laughs> yeah. But that, but that, but that number twelve is square foot. Single family. It depends on the size of the house. I think it would be proportionate to the size of the house that's there. Yeah. But again, that number twelve is is mirroring state statute under definition of family. Okay. And I'm all good for mirroring state statute. I think that's an easy way to start. Yeah. So it sounds like we're good with 12 and under. Small. 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 Goes in a single family type. Correct. Building. Yep. Okay, that's one standard. Mm hmm. Okay. We didn't get very far with our lot sizes. The use shall be proportionate to the size of the site. Yeah. Oh, define proportionate for us. <laughs> that would be up to you all. Yeah, it was 10,000 appropriate on 35 acres. Yeah. Well, if it's a single family house, it ought to just meet the same setback criteria as what's Correct. in that zone. I don't think right. that's. Right, the setback will. Yeah. I don't think that's. Yeah. And same would apply for other districts that you would want to allow this in. Yeah. Setbacks would still apply. Right. You know, that that's that's essentially a policy in the master plan that you all 
use to review use permits anyway. Is there a necessity then for us to consider a physical dif distance from one permitted group home to the next group home? So that was the recommendation up there. The operation shall not be should not be located a thousand feet from another residential care facility. In the county, a thousand um, feet is many of the examples we gave you they, they do have some sort of proximity limitations. Small as a thousand, standard large. And that could be for you could by category you could have different levels of distance. But it, I mean is that something you're even interested in? I think it makes sense as a tool for combating um, overuse or intensity. intensity of use, you know, getting too many to show up in just one particular spot. I, I do see some advent, yeah. like to have them spread out, I think is good. Like you take a hundred, uh, square 160 acre parcel and you got four of them on 40 acres on each one within a half mile by a half mile. That seems like a lot. Yeah, five mile radius. There's nothing that says you can't put a big. The only problem with that, though, I thought of that, Andy. But if you make it that big, you're pushing way out of near services, I think. Yeah, but again, that near services is like we have guest ranches that are nowhere near services. So I think that 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 discussion is a little bit skewed towards what would be the overall goal, like the overall goal yeah. actually to be get as far away as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. So having it be near services, I mean, what if they're part of the treatment is they're riding bicycles and generating their own electricity, you know, like they're using them to think you, they don't have to necessarily be, maybe they're all solar, maybe they have a biocomposting program. Innovation will be different. Well, services, I mean like fire and health or that has gone so far out of the window with every other development type that we do. Like we have stuff that's located so far some services everywhere. Sure, but they're typically in guest ranch. Yeah, but that's fine. It's a different experience than somebody checking into a rehab facility. They have to have the necessary licensed personnel. I, I think that's an important component of it. They shouldn't have to be relying on getting to a hospital. You know, if you have if you have people that are not be taking to hospitals, then you should be think, rethinking your treatment, what you're doing. Yeah. Other thoughts. Um, this Anything is else? just Christy. I think we hit the discussion items. I'll I'll ask if the public wants to. Uh, sure. I just wanted to provide you with um, Eagle County has a standard for neighborhood density, they call it. And it says a group home shall, uh, should not be located within 750 feet of another group. So that's just. To me, in the county, 1,000 feet isn't much. Right. Or maybe that's well, something you can consider for small versus large, too. But anyway. Got it. So for small, if these things are allowed in every zone district, do you want to plug in a linear feet dimension? My thought would be, would you want to do that by zone? In other words, if, you, if you're going to higher density, you need a different distance. You know what I mean? Instead of a thousand feet everywhere. Right. 
maybe maybe it's more appropriate different places at different distances. Well, under your LDRs and GRs mm -hmm. and all those, they could be the 750 feet, for example. Mm -hmm. Fill in the blank you, as you please. Oh. But then in AF, you may be a mile. Yeah. Right. For a large. But, I, don't know. I mean, here's a question. Mile so, I mean, five in the AF zone district, do you even need a spacing requirement? I mean, because if the, you know, if there's the, it tends to be proportional to the size of the property and it has to have a, you know, a rural aesthetic to it. I mean, it, it's not, it, two near each other wouldn't have the impact that it would in Treehouse. Cumulative. Because cumulative is part of six or no? Cumulative impacts, is that just master plan or section six? It's not anywhere right now. Oh, As yeah. it pertains to trails, it's the only place that comes up in the master plan. It's on your list is for master the, plan updates. Okay. Yeah, it's not in there right now. Um, I know we have people in the audience now that are a little bit late. We are discussing um, residential treatment facilities and standards for going forward, creating a separate line item in our use chart for this type of use in the county. We just came for neighbors of King Creek. We just read that they tabled it or something. Oh. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. That'll be heard. Do you have yeah, a date? Sorry about that. Uh, What's that? 21st. We tabled that till the 21st okay. of November, right, Greg? Yeah. 21st of November. Uh, yes. Right there. Yes. We'll get your information. I hope you didn't travel this whole way. Yeah, from McCoy. Oh, wow. Oh, that's <laughs> Mr. Hoffman, do you have, uh, want to join in the conversation? Uh, no, right now. Thank you. You bet. Okay. Um, any other thoughts, questions, ideas? Christy, do you feel like you've got enough? Uh, I do, yeah. This is um, scheduled again. Um, um, it, it was scheduled for the 19th with the BCC, but um, they're going to be tabling that to the following week, which will be the 26th. So um, once we get feedback, we will put this all together and reschedule more discussion on this. Are, are we in agreement that it's allowed in, in all zones except mining? Is that consensus of this group? I don't think we went there, but I'm happy to, because I'm not sure it should myself. Be in mind. Well, <laughs> I'm not sure that it should be allowed in every zone district. Okay, so we should... Kick that around? Yeah. What are you thinking? Well, I kind of like the, the categories that the nursing homes were in. Um, which would keep it out of Ag Forestry, but put that note under your name from before. <laughs> so, uh, and that would be for um, all or 
specific to large. I think you could allow the large ones in Ag Forestry. With the proximity requirements we were discussing, close to services, things like that. Yeah. Okay. Close to services. Defined as police, fire, ambulance. Okay. Okay. And since we're talking about them being housed in a single family, dwell. The small ones. Yep. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, I can agree with Roberta on this, that small is not allowed in AF. Small would be in all those other zone districts except AF. Now, hmm. where are you going to go? Well, small is the least intense use on that. Like, it has a small, a, a lessened impact. Do you have that? Uh, I, I don't, I, I feel like small could be in uh, all zone districts other than mining. Sure. It doesn't bother me. Um, and you also then have the standard that the intensity of use is relative to lot size. Mm-hmm. So you may have a... Well, the thing is, is I think that whether it's small or large, since it's housing people on a temporary basis, it should be held to a um, commercial level of construction. Should have fire suppression systems, should have, should have this to ensure public safety. Wouldn't, like, that, wouldn't that happen at building permit, though? If you're going to stick 12 people in, I think the building department has that under control, correct? Yes. I mean, even I, I don't know where the whole thing ended up, but, you know, Todd Hart did have some discussions with us that even though the zoning regulations would see 12 or under as a family the way it is now, that doesn't roll over in the building. Room. You know, it, it's still a treatment facility. So, yes. Maybe that addresses... And it's kind of how I view VRBOs. If you're going to allow them, they, have, they should be held to a higher standard to protect the public safety. Because basically what's happening is, is if you approve a use and it's does something bad happens, you're on the hook now as the county can be sued along with everybody else on the line because you approved it. Okay. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about the the small not being allowed in the AF zone district? It doesn't make any sense to me. Don't like it. I think it should be allowed in all districts, just different districts have more stringent requirements. Okay, I know where Jeff's at. Bill? Uh, Craig. Kurt. Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> I uh, I would rather see more restrictions on what we went through with the foundry opened up all those doors that you're talking about. We had security, we had traffic, we had the big one, neighbors all claim that it was going to really impact their water. This is like sticking six tiny houses on a 35 acre lot. All the neighbors are going to lose their water. And then I, I see that uh, the smaller ones aren't going to impact the bigger ranches. But at the same time, 
I, I'm fighting it back and forth like we did for the boundary. It, it was just not the right place and the wrong use for where it was. And I think the more restrictions we put on the bigger ones, the less problems we're going to have with the neighbors coming in saying that they're impacting their uses. And like, Would you define it as successful, the foundry, in the end? Like when you look at it and you say, oh, I have these problems, I was up and down with it, but has it been successful? Is it is it too intensive a use for where it's at, or has it blended in? I think it's too intense for where it's at. Based on? They're growing, and they're going to get bigger. And if we had more restrictions on them, saying that uh, uh, the earth isn't going to work, or the, the barn isn't working, or 35 acres for 10 horses, or any of these are all uses that are impacting the other uses for the other ranches. So a sing single family use of 12 people with five people working there and, and several animals, it's just have to look at everything. We looked at all the uh, um, response let's, times. Let's try to get to something that we can uh, pass along and, um, you know, this may not survive. I, I don't know if we, if we pursue small not being in the AF zone district. I'm not sure that'll survive. Because I can see where I thought you were headed was all those accessory uses for treatment. Mm -hmm. And when you have potentially a whole list of those accessory type uses, skiing, cross-country skiing, or horseback riding, or whatever it is. Seems like that stuff won't fit necessarily in an MRE lot. So, I don't know, it's a deal breaker. It, it's just food for thought. I'm trying to cluster, in my head, it was trying to cluster. An MRE subdivision is somewhat already developed, as opposed to perhaps an AF location. Mm -hmm. And AF seems to follow along more with the master plan of keeping it rural and open and ag and all those things. And that's kind of where I'm coming from and trying to keep it already in a developed setting as opposed to going out and picking on a new AF parcel and, and perhaps going against the master plan in in introducing that in a non-developed area. So that's my basis for, at least at this point in time, trying to keep it in MRE. Roberta, what was your basis? For keeping it this small out of AF. I just felt that small, in my mind, was meant to be a family type situation, which was a going to be in a denser, more close in, and the larger facilities belong out a little bit more further, in larger parcels. That's all. Any thoughts, Bill? Okay, I mean, I'm stumped. Hmm. Um, so, is that clear then? Kind yeah. of where we're at? We'll get your options. Yeah. Okay, anything else on that agenda item, Christy? We 
discussed um, all of your concussion items? I think that is it. That I that's all that I have. Okay. I feel I have enough um, direction from you all to um, put it all together, package it back up for you. <laughs> right. Okay, the next item on the agenda would be a discussion, work session regarding amendments to recreational facility standards. Okay, so this also is a follow-up to your September discussion on proposed amendments to the line use, the land use slot, the land use in your <laughs> land use chart for recreational facilities. Um, so this went before the Board of County Commissioners um, in October, and um, they actually requested to see it again. Um, we didn't have much time to really um, discuss the item, and then it actually the direction was that it morphed into a bigger conversation, which we'll get to, which is different from what how you originally saw it. Um, so just to bring you back, and for those of you that weren't here in September, we're having this discussion because it's a follow-up um, on our 2016 discussion on this topic. <laughs> After the STARS application, um, you all and the Board of County Commissioners really wanted for us to review this land use category, specifically because of the overnight component that STARS had and be more consistent with um, how we process recreational facilities. Um, at that time, the quick fix and the direction we got from you all and the board was to simply, if something had an overnight accommodation component, it would be processed as a special use permit. We were directed to have follow-up discussions with you all on this topic and establish some bookends of, of what that really will look like. So right now, the trigger to elevate the application to an SUP is the overnight accommodations, and it's regardless of the size of the operation, um, number of beds, or intensity of use. No other standards or considerations were applied at that time. Um, so we've had this on our project list, and um, you know it was essentially low-hanging fruit at that time. Uh, up until recently, we were directed to bring this back. Um, so you saw it in September, and now I'll just update you of where this conversation has gone and where we left off with all of you. So in front of you is the definition for recreational facility. The bold was the added language from the 2016 amendments, and simply that was, it included overnight accommodations, and the overnight accommodation component is accessory and normally incidental to the overall permitted use of the land. Um, so essentially, when we get applications for a rec facility, the rec component, and this is important to keep in mind, um, is that that rep component is the is the primary use, 
the overnight accommodations in secondary. And I'm making that point because I know, Troy, from one of our original conversations when we were talking about this, one of your main concerns and some others, including um, some of the commissioners, share that concern that, you know, we don't want to get into property rights, you know, and, and does that mean I can't, you know, go ski on my property or what have you? Um, and that's not the case here. Um, so really what we're looking at, a rec facility, the rec component is that primary use. And it's either that's the land use or the second category of that is with an overnight component. So um, just you know, other uses that we have that have an overnight accommodations is a bed and breakfast. We also have a guest ranch, hotel, motel, and a PUD, as you know. So the discussion, um, you know, what, what's the issue here? And the issue is, is that the only trigger is if you have an overnight component. So, you know, whether you're private or you're public, it doesn't matter. Um, if um, basically everything is reviewed now the same um, as a special use permit. And maybe that's okay with all of you, but the direction was that's not okay, so we want to talk about it. Um, you know, if the use is not listed in the use chart, it's not permitted. So we run into um, issues a lot of times trying to find a place for when people come in with a proposal. And, um, you know, so we want to be transparent and, and review the application and bring it before you for what it actually is. Um, there seems to be a theme here tonight because, you know, that's one of the issues of a residential treatment facility of what we've been having. Um, same applies for a rec facility. It seems our rec facility land use and a PUD seems to be a catch-all category, you know, where um, you, you see a lot of rec facilities and PUDs, and I'll bring up a chart that we, we brought up in September just to show you all the uses and how they've been processed over time. Um, so the commissioners and staff thought that this may be an opportunity to assess all of our overnight accommodations, so this conversation has sort of morphed. <coughs> this is just a recap of where you all left off. And some of the questions were, should the overnight accommodations be the only trigger? Both you and the BCC agreed it shouldn't. And um, it shouldn't matter if something is public or private. We should really look at the intensity of use. <coughs> Excuse me. But I think everybody was in agreement that if something was a commercial use, um, that that automatically should be um, a special use permit or reviewed at a higher level. We also then talked about private facilities that have shared amenities. So those would be your Maribus, your um, uh, Alpine Mountain Ranch, Storm Mountain Ranch. So those are all private facilities but have shared facilities. So those all came through and were approved prior to this amendment, they all have overnight accommodations, but today if they came through under the current regulations, they would be processed as an SUP. And I should also mention most of those uses, uh, most of those operations um, are all 
within either a land preservation subdivision um, or some sort of subdivision, and they have like the shared lodge with amenities. So uh, they are a rec facility. Um, and then we talked about private facilities that don't have shared amenities. You know, and and this is that you know concern of um, we we had reviewed Green Creek Ranch, so that's a private facility and has private amenities, um, but the amenity component of that, um, and that was a little bit of a different animal also, but um, the rec component is is more so that primary, and then they also had some other uses, like a museum and things like that on, on their property as well, that we don't have a line in the land chart for a museum, so it was all wrapped into a rec facility review. It did come through as a conditional use permit versus a special use. So this is, um, you know, where the conversation left off. And it morphed into, like I said, this overnight accommodation. And we're looking at this as an opportunity now to look at all of our overnight accommodations. And really, you know, finding places in our use chart for some of these uses that we'll get phone calls on or um, or may not have a way to process applications. So the, the first category is our bed and breakfast land use category. Um, there are only two permits, one being we just discussed, which actually is, has that had a rehabilitation type component. It was a smaller operation. Um, I think it was only for, up, I think, four to five guests. Um, and they came in under a bed and breakfast. And then the second one was Tranquility, which is rather recent that some of you here um, were part of that review and approval of that application. One of the things why I don't think you see too many um, bed and breakfasts come through is because the standard I put up on the screen and the part that I underlined, which is really restrictive, um, where all guest rooms shall be an integrated part of the principal dwelling unit. And we have gotten phone calls and, um, you know, where, where people want to do a bed and breakfast and just say they're truly, that's their intent, but, um, you know, they have a secondary unit on their property or something that could fall under that category and it would still be a bed and breakfast but it's not in the same building. Um, the Board of County Commissioners um, were very supportive in taking this standard out. Um, their primary concern was that as long as there was oversight and one of the other standards that's important to note for a bed and breakfast is that you have an on-site manager or owner that lives and, and watches over the property. Um, you know, it obviously currently comes through as a conditional use permit. Um, the recommendation was to keep it as is. Um, there could be some bookends around that, and we'll get to the next slide where there's um, some more um, recommendations that can go along with that. But I'm just pointing out what some of the um, the the issues or concerns are with some of these land uses um, that were discussed with Board of County Commissioners. Um, a guest ranch is is very specific that it has to be a ranch first. 
I mean, that is the primary use of, of a guest ranch. And some of these are the permits that we have processed as a guest ranch. Um, Vista Verde, Horse and Hen, Elk River Guest Ranch, Three Forks Ranch, uh, Fish, uh, Fish and Cross. Um, so that allows for a lodge and there is generally recreational activities on or adjacent to the ranch. Um, so that's what you typically see for um, that kind of use. Um, and then we have our infamous PUD category. And as you can see, I mean, there, there's all sorts of PUDs out there. Um, that is a zoning district that is created for basically uses and allowances for things that can't, or uses that can't, um, it allows for flexibility in design of uses that you wouldn't normally see. Um, you know, do we want to be creating PUDs all over the county? It's probably not the best practice. Some feel that may be appropriate. Uh, but I think it's something to talk about because one of the concerns that does come up is when the PUD, you know, or the use goes away, a PUD, as you know, is very specific and it outlines what you can and can't do on that PUD. So it's site specific and what happens when that use goes away. So, um, so that's just something to think about. Um, but as you can see, most of these PUDs, the primary component there, the primary use is, is lodging in most of those cases. Same with a guest ranch, though. <clears throat> I mean, I'd argue that guest ranches <clears throat> are more using the ranch status and agricultural status for a tax break than actually generating the revenue from ranch operations. The revenue, I mean, for all of those is truly generated from <coughs> lodging and recreation opportunities. Right. So okay. I don't know that a guest ranch is a ranch first and foremost. I think that term has been somewhat hijacked. <laughs> By definition. Right. Uh, let me just ask, the property out on Trout Creek, is that a SUP or CUP? It's an SUP for um, uh, eight. Lucky eight? Lucky, Lucky thank eight. you. Yeah, thank Bison you. Ranch. Yeah. That was an SUP? That was an SUP, yes. Um, and that was that was processed as a rec facility, I believe. Is it a guest ranch? Yeah. I well, I would oh, argue listen. that they probably generate more of their revenues from ranching than they do from lodging versus Vista Verde. I don't know, Horse and Head, Elk River, Three Forks for sure, and Fishing Cross. They're about having, they're, they're a commercial operation <clears throat> in the sense that they're generating revenue. And I think size has a lot to do with it also. I mean, I don't know if I had it on this slide, but I showed it. Oh yeah, you, you can see the acreage of Oh, no, this is just for rent facilities. I apologize. Um, I had another one that I did show you in September. Um, I might have it actually on this thumb drive. But, I think it's in the stock um, package. I did provide it, right? Yeah. Okay. So it had the acreages of the ranches. And, I mean, it's noticeably and notably um, larger parcels that you see these guest ranches on. Um, so... 
These recommendations were provided to you all also, um, and BCC agreed with option three. Um, option one was no change to the amendments, leave everything as is. Um, we didn't think that's what everybody wanted, but uh, option two <coughs> was um, just discuss and be specific to um, rec facilities. Option three is a hybrid of two and three. And that was to direct staff to research and propose amendments for uses that have or could have overnight accommodations. Specifically, they wanted us to review bed and breakfast, guest ranch, um, and agritourism enterprises. And um, actually, that wasn't guest ranch, because guest ranch, I don't think that they're really proposing any changes, but they didn't recommend any changes for guest ranch, so that's just say rec facility. Um, but guest ranch is an off the table by um, Andy's comments there. So looking at um, bed and breakfast, um, that would be to look at revising our existing standards and pretty much I, I just said we would look to take out that language about it being integrated into the principal dwelling unit. <clears throat> we would look to put in additional bookends and, and, and like a safety net that, that there would be max stays um, on that property. Why? <clears throat> to prevent people from living there and it, it's no longer a bed and breakfast where you're staying there long term. Um, but to your sort of point is, um, you know, the commissioners did want us to look into and work with the county attorney on a definition for overnight accommodations, which I think is a good idea because we don't actually have one. So what is overnight accommodations? You know, um, does it... Is it only for commercial? I personally don't think so. Um, and we've had um, we've had some attorneys argue that point. Well, overnight accommodations implies commercial, and I don't think that's the case. But that's something I think um, was the direction from Board of County Commissioners, um, and I think it's a good suggestion that we should look into having a definition for overnight accommodations. Um, as far as rec facility. Um, you know, we were looking at creating definitions for active and passive rec recreational type activity and therefore group the rec facility into one or the other category um, and a, an active type recreational activity, and I'll show you more of what this looks like on the next slide, would be an SUP and more passive or um, less impactful type activities would be a CUP. And, um, and that could include regardless of it has overnight accommodations. Um, so that would be more so for like, um, just say a wind walker that has overnight accommodations, but the activities that they have going on there are more of the passive, less impactful, um, uh, type type like a lower impact type operations. It's mainly like skiing and, and golf, things like that. So would the zip line fall under rec facility? 
Yes. Yes, it would. And that's how it was processed also. Oh. Yeah. So under this scenario, um, and, and again, we haven't ironed out what that all looks like, um, I think it would be processed as an active, and I'll show you that on the next slide. Um, or do you want me to just go, while we're talking about it, do you want to just talk about that sure. first? Is that easier when we can come back to this? So <clears throat> this is a little confusing, but this is the, the thought process here, is that we would revise the definition of a rec facility into active high impact or active low impact recreational activities. Um, and an act, active recreation means leisure time activities that are typically of a formal nature and are performed with others, usually requiring equipment and taking place at prescribed places, sites, or fields. <clears throat> Definitions for high impact and low impact would be recommended, as I mentioned, and regardless if the use is private or public or has an overnight component, but it is designed and organized and used for high impact outdoor recreational type uses. Um, and, you know, that would require a special use permit. And that examples of these stars would be a, um, would fall under this category. Um, shooting ranges would fall under this kind of activity. Um, and uh, while we're talking about but, active. But while you're there. Yes. The shooting range, three-quarter circles, and the zip line have nothing to do with overnight accommodation. Right, and I'm saying whether, I don't, I don't know how much the overnight accommodation actually, and you guys can totally disagree, really impacts whether how this is reviewed because you can have overnight accommodations and it can be passive or low impact type uses that they're doing versus something that, um, like this definition right here, it would be structures or areas designed and used for active recreation involving high impact outdoor recreational uses for, for activities. And such as downhill skiing, shooting ranges, sporting plays, racetracks, rally racing. Most of this is our existing definition, by the way, and then we took a hybrid of some other um, regulations that we were researching. <clears throat> um, and it's dependent on a rural location in which you do not meet the definition of parks and recreation. Overnight accommodations are permitted, but the overnight accommodation component is accessory and normally incidental to the overall permitted use. But what I'm coming from is if you approve something for a high-impact rec facility, yep. do you automatically then get overnight accommodations with that approval? Well, you would have to ask for it. I mean, it would be part of the... So this would be an SUP, and it would be a consideration as part of the project plan, but under this definition, you could have overnight accommodations that are included. <clears throat> so it just depends on the application, then, what the applicant is asking for. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and you would weigh that application based on the regulations in the master plan. But is your discretion or approval, I mean, maybe you want to approve the high-impact use, mm -hmm. but you totally don't want overnight accommodation. So can you, I mean, it seems like then you're, you're filling out the application for them if planning commission says, well, we don't mind your high-impact use, but you can't 
have overnight accommodations, well, that's not what the permit is for. That's not what the applicant is asking for. So how does, I mean, do you then deny the whole application? Because planning commission says we don't want overnight accommodations on the site for whatever reason. Yeah. So, so I, I had the same question in terms of having the two definitions. You've got definitions high use, low use. And so what's the advantage of, what's the disadvantage of getting rid of that, just taking those out? Like, what are you getting because you have two different definitions for the high and low? What does that do for you? Two different levels of review. If, if you're a low density, low intensity use, you only go to one public here. Right. It, it would be reviewed as a conditional use permit versus a special use permit, which is a higher level of review. And basically, you're weighing, are there off-site impacts? And so then, just a, a quick follow-up would be, yeah. the, um, you're doing this because it's part of the overnight component, in other words. So if you separate, I guess what I'm saying is, I understand what you're saying about low and high, and why you want to have the different review processes. But so, if you kind of separate them, the overnight uses as an issue, you still have an high low doing them, but then you're doing, understand my question? Like why, why those parts are part of the overnight review? How, how are they really linked? How so what are if you did? What if you disconnected them? Disconnected the overnight altogether? From the high and low intensity recreation uses. Well, I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. what I'm trying to, to answer here is when should these types of uses go to the board? Because mm -hmm. right now, they're all in front of you guys. We made that change, Kristen mentioned recently, mm -hmm. where the board said, well, at least if it has overnight accommodations, it comes to us. You know, And so now we're finishing up that, that process that we started back then. Is, is there anything else? See. Planning Commission is the final word on CUP. SUP on a two-step goes to the board. So maybe that helps. We're a recommending body on an SUP. Yeah. But a CUP, we're final unless they want to appeal it. And then they can appeal a CUP decision to the Board of County Commissioners. Right. So, like, under your previous definition, I would argue that Windwalker is actually a high impact because golf is specific to a site. It is, has a high intensity of maintenance to keep it that way. It's not natural, quote-unquote, the word natural, whatever that means mm -hmm. to anybody. So I would... I would say that I might actually agree with you, that Andy. For once, like five years, somebody agreed with me. Um, Windwalk, you know. So, but Maribou, yeah, I could see. But see, you're moving into like places like Windwalker, and Windwalker almost to me goes into a private guest ranch versus a recreational facility. But what are they ranching? Like, what, well, again, what are right. other places ranching? Well, but you're talking was, about tax advantages versus actually performing ranching activities. Well, yeah, they, they, they run they hay on it. Absolutely, there's a big discussion about low-income development subsidizing 
high-end development from a tax when you analyze it from a tax basis. Okay. Well, these uses are they're getting these advantages of saying that they're a ranch when they're not really a ranch. I mean, yeah, you're doing hay on it, but is that the only is that a ranching a true ranching activity? But is that a state issue? Uh, I don't know. Well, the state's the one that sets up the whole assessor's rules yeah. that assesses all of my property. Yeah, I, I think there's opportunities for disrupting that paradigm. But don't you feel like so many other people do that already to keep their ag status? Absolutely. I mean, that's, that doesn't a make lot it right. of people are just living there. That doesn't take right. ag status. But, I mean, to, to try to close this topic, that's a state possibly deal. I mean, you know, the county collects property taxes. Sure, but it's the state that sets up those rules for the assessor. <coughs> Right. So, I mean, I, I don't mind debating it with you, but no, no, no. I just don't think I'd rather find a solution to it. But I think that, like I said, a lot of these things blur the line between actually having that ranching component be their true foundation versus driving revenue, or in Windwalker's case, being what I would define more as a country club. It's a private. It's a private club. Like, that was my whole issue with Windwalker in the first place. If it had been presented as a private club, I would have had no issues with Windwalker. Mm -hmm. It was presented as a place, a family place, where he could have some friends. There's a huge difference in transparency when you talk about that. Well, which brings... It wasn't a family. It was, it was a, a limited membership. Yes, but he stood here with his grandkids and said, I want to take my grandkids fishing and maybe some friends. It wasn't presented as what it was going to actually be. I would have had no issue with that if they had said, this is what we want to do. That, to me, is perfectly allowable. But it sounds like a country club. Yeah, and it that's, doesn't why, sound like that's a, why we mainly try and stick to intensity of use and possible impacts beyond the property line. Well, you know, just so we don't go down that rabbit hole of public, private, some combination of commercial and, you know, what are the impacts? Right. And and I think that's the real issue. And, you know, some of the, the problems we've had with uses in the county um, and struggled with, what are they? I mean, I think it's exactly what Chad said, and it's, you know, those, those off-site impacts, and it's those, you know, those uses where there, there are organized events happening, you know, and, and, and it's formal, the formal nature of what's being done, it's, it's groups, and it's that property being used for mainly recreational purposes. Um, where I think you run into the the issue, and I'm not talking about you know you and I going fishing on the property and things like that. These are these are uses that have impacts, and you're talking about groups going out there, and and you know we have to look out for the neighbors, really, you know that, um, and and what those offsite impacts are, and the traffic concerns going to these properties. You know, and there's and there's definitely a difference between using your own property, you know, um, going up and using your property here and there, and then you know, ten people going to a property and 
having an actual having actual shooting ranges or having a racetrack or what have you and, and doing that every day all day so I would say a golf course is actually low impact to off-site things but it's but I could see your not point where <laughs> not to nature but to to if we're only talking about potential impacts off-site now is a shooting range might have more impacts to an off-site right but the golf course you know guys out there whacking the ball and swear and that's you know relatively contained on the property right right and it's not just shooting because we all recognize i mean where we live and you know you can shoot on your property and that's oh. considered normal and incidental you know and that can be considered accessory to your property but when you're We're talking about intensity a members trip yes. 50 members yes. coming and shooting yes. for a weekend that's Correct. a different type of yes. use so that's really what we're um where we're trying to propose um as a solution to the rec facility uh We'll, we'll get to that in a second. So that would be, so this is the high impact proposed definition. We can obviously, this is just, um, this is just following Board of County Commissioners, our discussion there, um, and really just taking your temperature here to see how you feel about this as, as a solution. Um, so this would be for active recreation, and it means leisure time activities that are typically of a formal, organized nature and are performed with others or with guides, usually requiring equipment and taking places, prescribed places, sites, or fields. So, um, and these are just the list of uses we already have in our rec facility definition. I took out cross country, we can put that back in. I originally had it in. Some of the county commissioners were like, what do you mean? I can't do cross-country. And I'm like, oh. well, look what it says, organized nature. I was thinking of what if you have a cross-country event? You know, so that was where I was going. So, like, it's not saying that you can't ski on your property. You know, it's it has to do with active recreation and what that definition means. Um, you know, I'm sure our county attorneys will have a field day. Um, I like rally racing. What's that? I like rally racing. Yeah, yeah. You guys have you haven't permitted that yet, have you? Is that no. permitted yet? No. I mean, because there is a a winter race that happens every year. It's fabled. I've never been to it, but I've heard of this great event. Event, organized event. It's an organized event, um, not a battle. You know, and then as you were just talking about the zip line, we probably should add zip line in <laughs> onto the definition. So. Um, with that, yeah. So and then low impact. <clears throat> reading the definition on the bottom, you know, so passive recreation or low impact. Maybe we should be consistent. Would be means leisure time activities that involve relatively inactive or less energetic activities, including but not limited to walking, sitting, picnicking, nature observing, sunbathing, car and cardboard games. Is downhill the same as when I put my AT gear on, or is downhill when there's a lift taking? Andy? <laughs> I'm not being difficult. I'm merely pointing out that when you start calling out specific activities, someone who has any intelligence is going to ask a simple question because I ski downhill all the time, uh -huh. but I don't use a lift. I use my own power to get up. So is that more 
Is that more intense than cross country where you're just going over rolling hills maybe? Well, a downhill generally would require mechanized, what, what is it? There is an actual permit process just for, where is it, Chad? I want to open a backcountry AT facility on my 2,000 acre ranch with a 3,000 for no snow cats, no anything, all human power. <laughs> and what I about the skier? What about... No, I have overnight accommodations. <laughs> Do you have a permanent staging area? That's that's where the permanent staging area. That's where the the break is now. Yeah, we'll get like it's like I I want to use this term country club. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if somebody had a yurt out in the middle of nowhere, that would be a permanent staging area. Would you take it down in the summertime? No. Permanent so, staging area. Mm. Yeah. Okay. There goes my ear. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure riding stables, to me, that's a dependent on the size. Because, right. I mean, typically small is small. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but like Sydney Peak, if that's what you're calling the riding stable, that's a pretty big facility. Right. And I don't think it needs to be, but, but in addition to, they have other things going on apart from just riding stables, right? So, incidental to the permit. Yeah. So that's just okay. Yeah. I mean, and that would be part of also the narrative of what they are proposing, where we as staff, you know, we're looking at it. Where does that fit in the land use chart? It may be something that may be appropriate as a rec facility. Or are they actually a guest ranch? Or are they, you know, so that's where that narrative and what they're actually proposing along with their site plan comes to play and helps guide us into what it is that they're proposing. Okay. So, so how, does, like, how do like snowmobiling and mountain biking fit into these categories? So I think snowmobiling would be active. High impact. High impact. Um, and what was the other one? Mountain biking. Mountain biking. Mountain biking. Um, I think that could be low impact, and are they are they just but are they just mountain biking? I mean, I think a lot of these recreational facilities that we see, you're seeing there's multiple activities that they're doing. They could be multiple passive, and maybe it's not an issue. Um, well, are they building single track, or are they building <laughs> jumps and transitions and drops and? And are, there, and are there special events? Are there special events? Yeah. Like, is it an organized type of activity mm -hmm. with, with a money component? <laughs> and, and, and that's really, yeah. and, and the difference there in those two definitions of passive and active. Passive doesn't say, you know, these. it's not organized, um, you know, type events. It's more, that's under the active organized nature, formal or organized nature. So, I mean, I agree there's more work and more discussion on this, um, but at least are we heading in a direction that you would be comfortable with us pursuing? Are there bookends? Let me, let me make Do a, you want to scratch it all together? Let me make a comment. And to me, anything that you're bringing in the public onto your acreage, ranch, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. if you're bringing in 
general public, forget about the overnight accommodations, but an, an event or a business or whatever it is, you're bringing people in by the carload. That needs to have a higher level of review um, and certainly would trigger, I think, the SUP. If you're bringing the public in, I can't think of something that I would say, oh, you don't need an SUP for that. Well, I was thinking about the Carpenter Ranch discussion we had, where they bring this, what is it, where they walk around in snow? And yeah, that, that's uh, yeah. snow art. So that would, isn't, that's an SUP. Well, I think it should be because you're bringing the public in there. And it goes to Andy's point, if we're going to approve something, we ought to have all those <laughs> conditions in there that says, this is what you were conditioned to do. Mm -hmm. More layers of protection. That's the way I look and, at it. And it's not just one thing with the example you just brought up. I mean, maybe if it was just snowshoeing, that's one thing. But it's in addition to the snowshoeing. Cranes. There's, there's the crane the festival, festival. There's special oh. events. There's, you know, tours. There's the yeah. educational component. I mean, so there's a lot going on there. I know. Okay. So, um, now again, that I see more as a working ranch, though. <laughs> Am I incorrect? But you shouldn't. I'm just wondering. They Am should, I incorrect? Well. I was going to say, don't get destroyed. You missed the last <laughs> I did, I did. I did. And it was tabled, so okay. yeah. it was probably. Okay. But, I mean, to your point, maybe there's something we can include and think about about I mean it all goes back to intensity of use and yeah. and what's going on there so maybe we can incorporate uh, like Green Creek I don't understand why Green Creek had to come in front of us well, the bottom you. line is because they wanted to which was great they were commended for doing that well, mm -hmm. it, because they, the bottom line is there was a list of uses that were considered accessory but they wanted a couple of things that were not considered accessory, and the only way to get those is to apply in front of you guys for burning. So. And see, like to me, a private use like that sort of should have administrative approvals attached to it. I would almost say that Windwalker would have been in the same category. That's a private facility. It's not open to the public. It was a members type of thing. I, you know, so I would say that. For me, the real line comes in whether, like you said, Troy, whether the public comes on the property or not. And I don't, I don't define a private club as the public. So, but what if it's a private club that I'm thinking of a, an example, <laughs> totally private, private owner, and has multiple events. High impact type events like weddings. No, like organized um, safety training and shooting and uh -huh. you name it going and, on. Well, five hundred members. Yeah, and I don't know if they actually have a like. This is just an example, but I mean, no, in I that situation. I'm kind of following so so it's private. Yeah, and they may not be taking money. Maybe it's just a club, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. somebody has the ability to provide their land for all these people to come and use the land, uh -huh. 
for with big impacts offsite. Yeah. So for, how for, do you for handle explosives that? training? Exactly. You yeah. see what I'm getting at? Oh no, I remember <laughs> a similar discussion to that and that becoming very relevant. Um, yeah. No, I, I think it's a very and, and and so like we're in this weird place because it's what is it? And what it's like it? okay, so it's a private owner. But, you know, this isn't just somebody, you know, bringing, you know. Manufacturing explosives, I think, takes it to a whole different level on its own. And so. Gordon got his permit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, maybe you've tied it. You've, it's all public. Yeah. And then it's private over a certain, you, you number. know, c- certain number of people. Yeah. Like, again, I, and a certain I think number room. of times a year that, you know, you could also tie it to the frequency of, of events. There's room for administrative approvals, I think, within setting certain boundaries, like when they are just passive, cross-country fishing, right? even hunting, mm-hmm. it's an allowable use if you've got the, if you can not shoot within a road distance, you know? So I, I think there's a, a blending of it that still needs a whole lot more discussion. Okay. I, I agree. I mean, definitely, I mean, this is, I think, one that we've been struggling with and definitely looking for feedback. Paul, would you like to chime in? You're just entertained listening to it? Christy, I think, I think we need to so, somehow say, though, that when you're talking about overnight accommodations, you're excluding... Employee housing, right? Yes, we, that was what we talked about before. Yeah, but it, I, it's not up here on the wording. That's why oh, they want to. We we did talk. Oh, about you did. did all right. Let let people people Never mind. Sorry. That was your recommendation. Yeah, yeah. Well, it ought to be written somewhere. It, I just yeah, I don't need the definition. Uh, okay. No, I'll okay. Just, just a real quick point, but it seems like you have two options to define specifically the uses, and then you just try to get them all defined correctly. Or you have the option of designing some kind of matrix where public, private, Tepsco's in this, you know, yeah, treat the flowchart. <laughs> so regardless of what it is, it falls in this category. Just that's just an idea. Two different ways to define things. You, you wouldn't be an engineer, would you? No, not very at much. Very much. Very much. So. <laughs> okay, Paul, please, um, join, Paul Hoffman, join uh, the confab. Thank you. Um, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, you know, when I, I take a look at this and I'm, I'm thinking about recreational facilities, to, um, it, it seems like the challenges that we've had with them, STARS, Windwalker, those are the two that kind of come to my mind, are um, we essentially had people that are shoehorning something into an area at a lower level of um, approval than was necessarily appropriate and with the appropriate oversight. Um, you know, a low impact to define sitting as a low impact activity to me is just blows my mind. Um, but when I take a look at this, and I'm, I'm thinking about Windwalker, if we had known that Windwalker was going to be a private club with the intensity of use that it has, which from my understanding is very high, um, even though it was private, um, was going to set up a golf course. You know, it certainly wasn't presented that way at first. And, and there was an argument from 
I forget who, a consultant, um, that they could continue and do anything they wanted under a CUP. So, you know, from that perspective, when I look at this and you're trying to define high-intensity use, low-intensity use, what's a CUP, what's an SUP, from all the things I've seen over the last how many years that I've been attending these, um, I think you ought to just take recreational facilities, make them SUPs, permit or don't permit the activities, including the overnight use. Somebody has to go to an extra meeting. They pay a little bit more money and you don't have somebody trying to sneak in under the wire. So to go the other direction and say, oh, we have recreational facilities, but it's not a high intensity, let's give it an administrative permit. Well, that's what happened with Windwalker. Windwalker got under the wire. You know, I don't remember the details. Um, is is stars a CUP or an SUP? So, so the one of the issues to address your um, to address your concern is that the the amendment for a higher level of review for an SUP or to have that option only came into play in 2016. No, I understand that. Stars and Windwalker came in before the fact. But Stars is a CUP. Yes, so okay. Stars so, and Windwalker. So that was the this, only option at the time. Right, I understand. And, and what I'm saying is, you can avoid those problems. You can avoid the hair splitting. You can avoid all of that by just saying a recreational facility needs to be evaluated for intensity of use, activities involved, and all of that at two levels, and make it an SUP, and just stop all the rest of the brain damage. Because we've seen how the prior rules really were abused. Stars, you know, that whole argument never should have happened because it's not even in the right place, you know? I, I mean, I've made those arguments, and and if you look at it, it, it shouldn't have. And Windwalker probably would not have been approved had all of those things gone through an SUP process, and even if it was when it started getting kicked up at some point, I think it would have had more attention because of the dual public. And, and you know, I, I happen to be one who, who, who in another life, I might have been argued, just leave it at CUP. But the reality is, from what I've seen on these and how it's been abused in the past, you know, I just don't understand why the whole thing just doesn't get elevated and we look at it closer because of the problems that we've had. And, and to me that seems logical and, and you're making a whole lot of details that you have to look at that in some senses don't make sense. Low intensity and a riding facility doesn't make sense to me. You know, the size of the facility, the impact from the outside, I don't see how that's, you, it, there's not a, enough, you can't define all of that stuff. 
So, I mean, again, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm battling a little bit, but based on what I've seen and know, I would say simplify the whole process and pick one. Go with SUP, and then you can define the other stuff and everyone's job gets easier except the applicant because he has to go to one extra meeting and listen to the public one more time. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. I see your wheels spinning. <laughs> I think there's some validity in those comments. And I'm wondering if Paul's comments don't carry the intent of the master plan more so than mm -hmm. what we're struggling with or oftentimes struggle with. I would bet, though, that you got the staff would... demonstrate that there's a lot of permits that come in front of you that probably don't deserve to go through an SUP type review. I, I, I think that's I can't we, list them, but I think that's what we heard originally, which is why we were directed to have these conversations. Um, Paul, just to be clear on your comments, um, would the same apply for if a rec facility came through and didn't have an overnight accommodation component? You're saying well, just across the board, it doesn't matter. Across the board, make a recreational facility. Because here's the deal if it's a simple recreational facility and it's an SUP, you got two public hearings and you're done. There's no controversy. If you have something that's controversial because there's multiple elements to it, it gets that closer look. I, to me, it, you really simplify the whole process, again, for, for the planning commission and the county commissioners. You know, we'll put a few more things on the agenda. Well, their agenda's not overpacked at the moment. So, you know, it just, it gives, I listen to people talk about, oh, we have to keep an eye on this, and, you know, you, you just went through, um, what was the first item? The residential treatment, residential facilities. treatment thing, and we have to look at this so closely. Why does recreational facility get the pass? You so, know. So I, I think I was trying to suggest that I think what you're saying is there's disconnecting the overnight from the recreational. I mean, you're saying let's deal with the recreational thing. Recreational. Right? Uh, you, you, just, didn't, you didn't see the stars thing, so I think that makes that a little bit that, more difficult. But basically, if you put it in recreational facility, whether or not it has overnight accommodations, it qualifies for all this other stuff that you want to do, just do an SUP. So, so my question for you is, if we were to disconnect it from the overnight use, right? would, you, would, that be good? would that be good for you? Would you like that, to disconnect it to? What? This kind of the recreational facilities approvals from being part of the overnight use. Because they're linked right now, right? Is that they, well, they don't, they don't, they don't have, have to be linked. Yeah. The whole function We're runs together. together. So I'm yeah. in a recreational facility and I want to let people stay overnight. Okay, great. Well, so, 
Right. I don't think you can disconnect them if that's what that's they're saying. Question. That's the right question. Yeah, I understand. Well, I guess I would put it back to staff and ask you, since you're the ones that see all the recreational facility applications over the last how many mm -hmm. years, can you, would you be comfortable with that? Are there recreational facilities that are so minor that you don't think it needs to be elevated? That's a good question. Going back to the list. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't see that many. And in one of the, going back twenty something years ago, let's say, there were very few administrative or CUPs. Almost everything went to the board. And then there were some changes when the rates were overhauled in five or six, where the board said we're going to drop down the approval to some of these. But there's also an appeal or call up that the board has. That's in place now. So, you know, I think that was maybe the, the stance back then is that if the board was thinking, you know what, if it's something that's more controversial, we should be deciding this instead of planning commission, we'll just call it up. And it hasn't happened yet. And, and also, there's when the regulations were in place, you know, that county. It's the same now as when it's is that there was this goal to expedite process, you know, and that that's changed to yeah. more of a clarify process, you know, and, and so something like you know Paul's idea, you know, maybe more acceptable to this board than it was in the Yeah, it didn't seem like the expediting got it right on a couple of these. Now, would a lecture public review? have caused it to be different? Good chance of that. Mm -hmm. There's a chance it might not. Right. But you're not talking about a lot of time for an extra hearing. And, uh, I mean, I think it would make our job a lot easier than, you know, <laughs> it'd be pretty clear and instead of trying to, you know, reinvent the wheel here and it just goes through the second level. I mean, it's not a bad comment or recommendation for us to consider. Um, it's just not the direction we were originally given. But like Chad just said, it was a different board. And I remember a conversation in the early 2000s, and we've been having this conversation off and on ever since I've been here. And you know, I think staff even came up with a list of CDPs for the last however many years. Presented that to the board and said, if you had a problem with the planning commission decisions, nothing's been called up or appealed. And then I, I forget who the comment came from on the commission, but it was, yeah, a couple of little things, but overall, no. Here's a thought simplify it by number of activities. You want to do two levels? You got two activities, it's a CUP. More than two, that's CUP. But if one of those activities is, there are motorized activities, I mean, that kind of, that's where kind of that line is now. You know, so if you've got guided tours for skiing or balloon ride or something, that it's used by riding. But if it's snowmobiles, that's you. So, yeah, good, good point. And, 
So you know, I would, I would encourage you not to overcomplicate it by the analysis you have to go through to decide where yeah. you're going to put it. That's, that was the point I was trying to make. Paul, I love that recommendation. <laughs> you guys have been on trying this, to do that. On this use chart, there were 63 uses listed that requires a permit of some type. Mm -hmm. Administrative, CUP, SUP. Right. All right. Um, so I don't think we can identify all those uses which are falling under some of these lines in the use chart. Still struggling though with the idea of making them all an SUP. What's the planning commission's take on that? Yeah, and I think if I can throw one more in there, is Please. that what's what's broken? And, and again, when we got started on this, it was what was broken was there needs to be a line in these more intense CEPs that go to the board. Low hanging fruit was overnight accommodation. And then it was, okay, and we'll figure out what that means later. That's where we're at now. So some of this is kind of snowballing a little bit, but I think, you know, with the next round of comments here, and Bill, sorry, Bill, you don't have the history, but, you know, is, is it broken? You know, where, where do you feel that line should be to send these up to the board? So I think... In the first paragraph under discussion on page two, because I can't read the blurred numbers, is, is just what Chad said. Is, is there are, I think what we're supposed to figure out tonight, if there's other triggers. Mm -hmm. And once we figure that out, we've done a good thing. To me, what I think with Roberta's comment for the impact of how many people are using it, even if it's private or public or anything like that, that that could be a trigger for us that we should be able to kind of have a threshold to say that this needs to bump up to something higher. Um, I do like the active versus the um, low impact um, feel to it, but it, the definition of those are so hard and so nitpicky to say which is which where, you know, to side on the side of caution of the SUP uh, does make sense. So I would be more conservative with saying whatever is a low impact to very defined things so that that falls into a, a, a category, whereas everything else kind of goes into the higher category. So I would like to try and define something if we would want to. Um, to be more specific for the CUP and then for the SUP kind of make it as a catch-all like it is. I like it. Bill? I have to agree. He likes it. Yes. Billy? Too soon to say. Okay. <laughs> Roberta? Well, I, I do think there's some merit in keeping the low-impact category for CUP because if, if somebody just wants to have hiking on their property or some, a non-motorized activity of a, you know, I don't think they have to, should have to go all the way to the board for that, even cross-country skiing. But I do think having a larger event and so having a, a, a cap of, you know, whatever it is, 25 people or 
whatever the number is, um, pushes it into the SUP category, and maybe frequency of use. But, you know, if somebody wants to have hiking on their property, I just don't see that as right. having to go to the board. So I think I know the answer, but frequency, yeah. frequency of use depends upon number of people okay. using it, right? Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's what you're saying? Right. Could, hang on. I'm all over the place on this <laughs> one, which is okay at this point. I, I, will, I like Paul's comments about simplification, and that's part of what the response to is transparency and simplification in the process so that they're not forced to shoehorn things into places where they might not belong. Just providing that clarity to you know, everybody in the process. Um, I think there are challenges to having high and low categories and not defining them clearly. Um, are all SUP or no, are all PUDs SUPs? Or are all SUPs, can they be PUDs? Like, again, a PUD. Anything can be a PUD. And one of the problems you were saying with the PUD is, is that you're creating a new you're, land, you're creating a new zoning category. Right. Yeah, site specific. Yeah. site specific, and that that stays attached to the site. Yes. But it could always revert back to a use by right, like a single use uh, or a single family property. Not without a reason. Not without it. Go back through the process. Got to yeah, go. that's, that's the big difference between PUD and SUP or any other permit. Is that if a permit lapses, the business goes away. Let's say that permit's gone, then it does lap back to uh -huh. lap back to just what's allowed in the zone district. If there's a business in a PUD and it goes away, that that that's is forever still, inherent to that site. Right until zone change. Yeah, without going through amending the PUD or zone change back to, which is still a part of the process. There is a process for it. Mm -hmm. You can come back in and rezone it because the PUD is that highest level of review, right? And it sounds like these are the types of things that require a high level of review, but maybe they don't. Have, again, there it's it, this is such a you can see both sides of the conversation. Yeah, but PUD is, is intended for, you know, unique projects, hopefully good projects, that don't fit in the zones. Yeah, well, that's kind of, you know, I was reading another municipality's definition of a plan unit development district, <laughs> you know, and some of the things that they were talking about and, you know, promote, promote efficient use of land flexible application of development controls. I mean, those are the, all the things that you're talking about within this particular type of facility. Um, various densities and land uses, protects surrounding property, and the natural features and scenic beauty of the land. So it kind of, it's a big, it, it's also spot zoning. If you start dropping PUDs all over the county. But we have a PUD process. Yeah, we do. But we have a process for reversing them. But once you're zoned PUD, I don't think you're going to have me and people come in and want to reverse it. No. And if you want to change it all, too, then you have to go through a huge process. Absolutely. Not, you know, any rights, you know, 
after that, east by right. So here's my thought. Um, I'm wondering if staff can't come back to to us at this next round with a list of uses that you are comfortable with as the CUP. Because I think right now, I don't have in my head all of those types of uses that that you would plug into a, an applicant and say you're a CUP and you're an SUP. But from where we're going tonight, if we had a list that says, okay, Planning Commission, these are historically been mm, accepted CUP re reviews, mm -hmm. successful CUP reviews. And then my second, in trying to respond to your discussion question of triggers, on my list is obviously the overnight, which I guess the board certainly supports. Um, a trigger for me is public access and a commercial use. If there's an exchange of money going on for whatever whatever that use is, whether it's ATVs or machine guns, or that certainly is a trigger. And then I like Roberta's too because I think it goes to intensity of use and, and master plan items of frequency and numbers of users. And I think we're gonna have to fill those blanks in sometimes, whatever. Whatever that frequency is, the number of users, maybe it goes back to a matrix that says if you have this many users at this many times per month or year, it's an SUV. If it's this many of users this many times a year, it's a CUP. So there's, I mean, I think we're going from high to low just in a different way. They're saying it a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll get that. Make, we'll, we'll write it up. So you have like a lot of we, options next time. Seem like we, we made <laughs> it, it. Seems to me that that you've been sitting here, what, listening to the public come and complain about certain uses adjacent to their property for years, and you're going to intuitively know what those real problem areas are. And to me, it's like you know where I live. It's snowmobiling, for example. No, it's yeah. ATVs. No, it's yeah. you know it's yeah. noise. It's Shooting it's right. guns, right? It's the stuff people don't want right next to their house. Right. And those are the ones you're suggesting at this level needs to go to SUP. Absolutely. Okay. Which I think is probably what you do anyway. <laughs> I think that's what you already do. But yeah. Well, maybe. Uh, the racetrack in Hayden, CUP. Hmm? Well. <laughs> really? You I have any complaints? I don't think that's that's been there a long time. No complaints. No complaints. Oh <laughs> well, that's where, I mean, that's Go the challenges. Is that, that, that was a rec facility? <laughs> well, it is yeah. right next yeah. to the fire yeah. tree. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. But also, this that was the only what? choice yeah. back then um, because we didn't have it as an SUP. Go ahead. They'll listen. <laughs> anyway. Um, as far as following up with what Roberta said, I think it's, you need something in addition to the use. In other words, it's going to be a tough job for you, and that's that's really one of the keys we're talking about is how we define these things. But so you you just say it's snowmobiling, and you put that in, and that puts it in this other category. But 
it needs to really be more. It's like, you know, you're, you're, my friends come up with their snowmobile to my place, and there's two of them on one trailer. Right? They're snowmobiles. Mm-hmm. But that's a private so, use. Well, it's could it be? I mean, it could be necessarily. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm saying, it's a tough job for you, but maybe right. you should think about having a little bit more to help split it up. Yeah. Because in yeah. your in your example, at what point yeah. does that use you riding your snowmobile on your property no longer become accessory? When you're selling, how do you quantify that? You know, well, and that's that's the struggle. Commercial. So, so at what point is it a private use? You just snowmobiling on your property to the frequency, and and this becomes the primary use of what's going on on that property. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess again, you know, example that example, snowmobile example, and you said, all right, let's see. somebody's paying for it. That make that's easy. That's easy for you. So the neighbors easy for the neighbors. But let's say it's six people and we're not paying. Right, so you there are, you have ten friends and they're not paying, so it, maybe it should be. So you, you know my well, yeah. situation. We had, we had some complaints. This probably been eight, ten years ago, but some guy in forty acres, he was a you know a dirt bike nut, and he had a bunch of friends that were nuts. And in the summertime, <laughs> every Saturday and Sunday, there would be eight to ten guys riding all day, mm-hmm. and the neighbors just got fed up. Yeah. And you know, the, the position of the county was, you know, that riding your bike on your property was no big deal, but the intensity does not make it accessory anymore. Mm-hmm. And you have the option now to apply for a rec facility permit. You just quit the or to that extent. And, and the goal would be is to hopefully provide some sort of oversight or some sort of mitigation considerations onto a use like that. So it would be limited maybe and not, you know, throughout 24-7 or hours of operation, something like that. You know, there, there would be some sort of mitigating factors that would be taken into consideration if something like that were um, approved. That all goes really back to what Paul said. Though. I mean, we talk about all these others, conditions, matrix, mm-hmm. limits for each one. We made them all, you know, SUPs. Sure simplify kind of things. But just an idea. So in my example that I was asking about, Strawberry Park Hot Springs, PUD, right? Yeah. You could come back, someone could buy that, Go through the process and remove that PUD and turn it back into a single family residential unit that they live at and nobody has access to. Well, what are all those other buildings? Are they normal and incidental to a. You know, yeah. And it met all the conforming requirements. Let's say it meets all of. I mean, even if it doesn't, like, you know, there are. There are unique forms of development within people's own personal property. If nobody's staying in there, but if he's got one, the massage place gets turned into his artist studio, and he turns one place into a blacksmithing studio, but they're all just for their own personal use. Okay, could happen. It, you could you can reverse a PUD. I'm not saying you can. 
it it would have to be like turned into mm -hmm. a conforming use. So they would mm -hmm. have to establish what those uses mm -hmm. are. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are we... Uh... Good luck. <laughs> yeah. One more thing. Hopefully this doesn't keep you here much longer. Looking back over the last 15 years, probably the number one type of application under our facility on overall is a wedding venue. Christy mentioned before that it is kind of the catch-all. You know, and the county's taken that position that probably more of the reception than the wedding is a recreational activity. Should that still fit under right facility? And would you consider those impacts higher level? Hi. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because historically they've been processed as a rec facility under CUP before we even had, you know, because because actually if it came in today, if it doesn't have an overnight accommodation component, it's reviewed as a CUP. So that's a, that's a good point, Jeff. Well, that's the guest ranch, isn't it? The guest ranch that hosts wedding. No, you know, that, that would just be, you know, a special event under your guest ranch permit. Yeah. That happens, I mean, yeah. Right. But I'm thinking there, I mean, um, just Dolce, whole, as well as, line item. what's that? It's another use in the in the chart. I can see that as well. A wedding venue? Yeah, just put it, because so they're so popular. Special venue? Well, yeah. I mean, because we've, Same. we've, I mean, because we have had some people come in and just say, I want a wedding venue, I want a, you know, or, or a special event venue. And it's the shoe company. I so, say, you know, that's the catch-all. It's the right facility. Yeah. You know, and there have been a couple where they want to do it just indoors. And it's like, well, it's it's rec facility outdoor world. Do you have an outdoor recreation component? No. And it really doesn't fit. Yeah. No, but that, that makes it a special event venue, land use item, SUP. Does that help with the... Like the fireworks situation, then they can apply for their event venue because you want to accommodate the training that happens. You want to accommodate. Oh, talking about, I thought you were just talking about is that not fireworks? No, I just more in getting back to not being particular, but getting back to that one. It might be some discussions on the on the if it, if there isn't if there is the recreation component, it's just a special event. But I think the whole wedding thing is it's a big enough out. category here where people specifically do something just for that that I can definitely see. Oh, we've seen it. We've seen it face no opposition. I've seen the sheriff here opposing it's something next to his friend's house. Like <laughs> I think what it goes it goes on all different levels. But if it's a separate line item in your use chart, then we have standards that says mm -hmm. this is what you do. Right. Right? Yeah. Are you all right with that? Yeah. yeah. I think it's a good yeah. idea. Okay. I got that. That way it's clear. It's transparent. Right. And it doesn't have an outdoor component because if you think about it, if it was all indoors, the possibility for the impacts to be on the property line goes down. That was one of the arguments that we heard. Mm -hmm. Traffic becomes your real yeah, and access to, all to the, the site. Shuttles and fire. Know, Caps and seasons <laughs> yeah. to take care of that, but okay. okay. All right, we'll give. Wow, well, uh, good. One. We'll write something up for you. Is that enough on 
on that? Are you guys okay? We yeah. we did have two other little categories under this, but we could um, <laughs> package it into the next discussion. But yeah. um, but <laughs> that was on the B and B and the agritourism enterprise land use categories. Why are we inventing agritourism? It's already invented. Yeah, it's already there. It's but already isn't in- there some way that can be shoehorned into a different? So it's its own land use category already. It requires either a minor use permit or an um, or an ad administrative permit, and it's based on how many trips per day. Um, so the thought was, in the definition on the very bottom, it says an agritourism enterprise does not include accommodations. Perfect. Leave it as is, or. Or is that something that you could have? And the thought was, for example, like Elkstone would be would fall under this category. Um, if I don't know if you all you're all yeah, familiar yeah. with Elkstone, um, and so they don't, and they haven't asked for it. But this is just an example that was brought up. Um, if they wanted um, a overnight component. They couldn't, based on this definition. So the the thought was to eliminate the overnight accommodation, and it could be processed similarly to a B and B or a guest or a guest ranch. or a guest ranch, one or the other. Yeah, yeah. I don't. It falls back under all those other criteria that we look at. Yeah, traffic and yeah. Yeah. Cumulatives and all right. that. So I don't think it should be. Would you have any heartburn if we explored that option? Does anybody feel strongly? <laughs> don't don't mind. I mean, I, there are examples of ag tourism. Yeah. Like I don't know if you're familiar with Blackberry Farms. One could argue could support the master plan. I've heard the opposite. You know. So this is. Yeah, I mean, so it, the idea is is that it's another revenue stream to help maintain the rural yeah. character. Yeah. Right? Is, I mean, we, we have gotten a lot of, nothing has formally come through, but we do get called, I feel like this is a more or less an up-and-coming or evolving area. Well, yeah. is that um, what Carpenter Ranch is, kind of, then? They're a research facility. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So my question would be, with like a CSA, a community supported agriculture, where they yep. have someone living on the ranch, and say, I know, like in Europe, it's very popular, where you can kind of table types, yeah, where, where where you basically are producing that, yes, and then sleeping over, and you're spending only like a week there, but you're basically getting, you're you're not paying anything, you're not doing anything. Would that still fall into? This category, Possibly. or would, would you be able to still do that right now? How it is in that category, or would not? You be, well, you couldn't. You couldn't have the overnight component to it because that would be commercialization. Correct. Still, even though you weren't paying or doing any kind of fees adjusted, you're just giving your services. That's what he's talking about. Is where you go and work, and they feed you and give you a place to stay. There's no physical money that's changed over. Right. And, like, I, my aunt traveled to Italy and did that. Worked in, on wineries and stayed with families and didn't get any money for it, but it was 
she did stuff on the farm that they told her to do, and she had a place to stay, and they fed her. I mean, nowhere really cool in that experience. definition does SCP. it say money needs to be exchanged. Okay, so that... Okay. But, but I think but, it's the, but but it's think the overnight allow, component, I think, which would prevent you, so then we would have to SCP. find another... Yeah. yeah. Way to process if that. If it becomes an overnight, okay. CUP as written, but an SUP if they've won overnight accommodations. Right? No, as written, it is a minor use permit yeah. or an administrative oh. permit, just based on how many trips per day. Okay. So it's a limited review right now, but I guess we're suggesting if there was an overnight component, it should probably be elevated. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. 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 And um, we can come back to you on more discussion on the B&B, but um, did anybody have heartburn about eliminating that integrated part of the principal dwelling unit? To me, yeah. the only part would be, like, I don't want it to be any more than, like, just a secondary unit or a duplex. Outside of that, then I kind of think that that's going away from the bed and breakfast, in my mind. I agree. Yeah. And I, I, the max stay thing has me a little bit, like, yeah, it'd be completely weird to stay for 45 days or something, but if somebody wants to do that, right? That really... Why do we care if what, the tenant changes? Why do we ad- care if the tenant changes? To address um, Greg's concern, there is a standard that would stay in that all guest rooms don't have kitchen facilities. So... You know, it truly is like a bed and breakfast. And, they're, and getting, they're getting that but meal I, every day. <laughs> I think Greg hit it, though. If you're a and b that implies you're in the dwelling. Yeah. So well, because if you t- if you eliminate it, I read it then as saying I could have. Your yeah, but I got a freestanding garage <laughs> with a with a unit up above. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't have that somebody stay up there. Sure you can, but if you want to serve them breakfast, they can. Well, they just got currently you can't. And I think it's a good point. You couldn't do. have been getting away from the original yeah. intent with that, and it was to mainly in a situation where you have called the bed and breakfast, and that might maybe we just need a new term based on what the traditional bed and breakfast is. But if you have a house. And a caretaker's unit. Could the manager live in the caretaker unit and take care of the people in the house? This is everyone in the house. Just stayed at a bed and breakfast in Pueblo. Caretaker unit was separate but still attached to the, the main portion of yeah. the house. And it met every in every expectation it was a bed and breakfast by the jury. Right. Right. And and in some ways it could be allowing, I don't want to call it vacation home rental, well, but it could. One family, one group wants to come in and rent that house. There's still somebody on site to monitor and caretake. And the commissioners were totally supportive of allowing this. Their main point was that there is oversight and there is somebody that lives there that's overseeing it. Um, that that it shouldn't just be limited to the dwelling, the principal dwelling itself, but if you had your house and you had a unit above your garage that they wanted to um, explore the possibility of allowing to have that as a B&B. Isn't that a nightly rental? Well, it could be, but the, the difference is... There's oversight. Unlike, 
most overnight rentals or vacation home rentals, there's an on-site manager supervising. It could be permitted through this process if there's somebody there all the time, if there's an on-site manager. Mm -hmm. And they're getting but you're taking the, the and they're getting back. You're, you're taking the rental unit out of the primary dwelling and sticking it over here in an accessory structure, and that's okay. Hmm. Could go either way. You, you could still live in your big house, and and your bed and breakfast could be your accessory. Mm -hmm. hmm. That's a circumvent. That's circumventing the whole nightly rental. Well, the, and, the, and the, what the board was. You know, encouraged, I think, by this idea is that they see that point, but with the on site supervision, we shouldn't have these problems that we've seen with these illegal vacation owners. Where there's no oversight whatsoever. Right. The Where question is, is the oversight attached or detached? That's kind of the point. It, it, that doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter, it's just on site. It's on site. Right. I mean, I guess they were trying to. Say, I guess, really, what is the difference if something is in the dwelling itself, or if you had two units that were detached from the house? But under the definition, I mean, and, and one of the standards is that the owner or operator lives there, lives on site. So they're trying to residence. they're trying to figure out a way to permit nightly rentals. Is what they're doing? Not necessarily. <laughs> I mean, I don't necessarily see it that way because also one of the other standards is um, if it was a nightly rental as normally like a VRBO, you're generally seeing like an apartment or a uh, an actual dwelling unit. This would be essentially, there, there's no kitchen facilities, which is on the table right now. Um, with, that's one of the existing standards, no kitchen facilities permitted. So, so my that's what changes. concern of that was like uh, when I went to California, my sister had uh, this whole group stay and they had basically trailers all over the place and then had tents for the rest of the people who couldn't go into those trailers and then one main house and then that was kind of considered a bed and breakfast because you were just sleeping in those little trailers and mm -hmm. then you would go up and you would have that. That's something that I wouldn't consider to be a bed and breakfast, and that's something that I'd want I would, to try and prevent. I, would, with. And I think that most of our standards and definition for bed and breakfast would still stay the same. For, so these are the standards. Room, you know, food optional, um, but the big change would just be that, that the manager doesn't have to be in that house. The manager just has to be on the site. The only, and the only way he can be on the site is to have a legal secondary unit. Right. And that's limiting on its own, you know, with water supply and covenants. Yeah, so these are the some of the existing standards, Troy. So the first one is owner-operating must provide evidence that they have a water system to serve the use. Uh, same thing with the wastewater disposal system. Uh, Owner-manager shall be a full-time resident of the bed and breakfast establishment. That's how it's currently written. Um, and then um, I added, any external modifications to the building shall not alter the single family residential character of the building. Um, we eliminated D, which seems to be the, the issue what the board was trying to accomplish, where it says that it has to be, all guest rooms have to be integrated into the primary dwelling unit. Um, 
And then it's no cooking facility shall be allowed in guest rooms of the bed and breakfast. Uh, meals may only be served to occupants of the bed and breakfast. There shall be no more than four guest bedrooms dedicated to the bed and breakfast operation. Um, if eligible, I added that one too. Um, a secondary unit, as per the regulations, shall be permitted on site. Um, the board was pretty clear on that, that they didn't want, if uh, there was a bed and breakfast, just say at the house itself, like if it was a traditional bed and breakfast, that they wouldn't be precluded from having an actual secondary unit under the regulations. Um, well, but Christy, to, mm -hmm. to this point in time, what we've been talking about is a secondary unit on yes. the site. Yes. So in order to have a B&B &B as proposed, you've got to have a secondary unit. But there's still an option of living in the big house with, with your guests. But it's an option now, right, that you can live in the secondary home. Yeah. But I, you're saying that the secondary unit can also be part of the rental pool. Yes. Of bedrooms. Yes. Well, but I guess just as long as there is still a manager on site. That's that's the bottom line. Okay, but if you're going to have four bedroom, well, maybe you've got a six bedroom house, and four of them are for B and B. And then the groundskeeper lives in the secondary unit because the manager is living in one of the six bedrooms. Could be. But it's, again, again, permanent process, conditions of approval. I'm with Andy on the 14 days. I don't really care if it's rented out, and I don't care if it's 14 days or 45 days. Okay. If you can afford to stay in one and love the experience. I, mean, I don't know why we're, it's just moving one right. person and putting in another. Well, and there there is some talk about like your active pillows and turnover, like the benefits of it. There is something to consider in that when you're trying to promote or not. I think that was pirated from the city regulations. Yeah, I, I mean, it, I just... <laughs> If it stays in there, it's not going to hurt my feelings, but it's one of those things where I'm just kind of, kind of like, I don't know about it. And I don't think the, the BCC had a strong thought either way. All right. Wow. We can uh, repackage this <laughs> along with everything else before Troy has any more heartburn. <laughs> I think this is a nightly rental where we're going, but anyway, everybody good? We're done? Administra Administrator's report. Um, yeah, not much of one. Just upcoming meetings. Obviously, on the 21st, that table is uh, King Creek Ranch application. The only thing on the agenda. Nothing on the 5th of December, although um, we could get this back to you by then. We'll just have to see what looks like and meeting notice requirements. Uh, on the 19th of December, uh, there is um, the Carpenter Ranch. Carpenter Ranch table, thank you. And also the uh, City of Steamboat Springs is turning in applications for uh, installation of a million gallon water, water tank that will serve the west side of town. That includes uh, Especially used for me, it's outside their boundary. 
water body crossing for the lines and uh, division of the public purpose. Where's this tank going? Um, across from the airport, on the hillside. Buried or no? What's up? Is it buried? I'm sorry. Is it buried underground? Yes, underground. Yes. Mm. That's a big tank. Uh, and we just got a new application, but it just, we didn't, we haven't processed it yet. Um, so I anticipate, I don't think that would make it on the 19th on speak. Tower. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, I yeah, we're waiting on some information, yeah, but we can anticipate that. Was tower. <laughs> we just talked about that. That's funny. Wait, you're, you're pretty. So you'd be happy for this? <laughs> it's. I've been Yeah. <laughs> All right. You just never know with North Route. <laughs> The gentrification of North Route. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say, Bill, Billy, welcome. Yeah, yeah thank you. Thank you, Bill. Enjoy the chance to participate. That's right. And his name tag will say Billy, so we're sitting next to each other. Uh huh. Bill, Billy. Bill, Billy. That works. I wasn't at the joint meeting. I, did, I missed that. I was, I was at another. Yeah, they, they had a pretty good discussion between the two groups and that night. They said it's not supported by everyone. It's process in your school. And so, so they, I guess the meeting I was at with the county commissioners, they were talking about lamping down. Yeah. And so, you know, I should have got one of the on this that sheet of paper that says short term rentals are illegal. And that kind of stirred up some things, you know, the people calling to us and asking about parameters and neighbors turning in other neighbors that had a BB that didn't know. Oh, I thought it was just okay. And, I, and so we got a few of those, but enforcement cases went up a little But uh, it's just. I think Doug said to me it sounded like they were going to start trying to check out in an Airbnb, the VRBO. And, and, and to some extent we have, but there's still this enforcement issue where we get information from the neighbors or turn them in, but it's really not good enough for Eric to say, okay, you really should take this report. And, and some of them are kind of slippery, too, because usually what happens is somebody rented out, you know, neighbors will turn around. Did we record it? We'll contact them and say, hey, we've got this complaint. And they say, oh, okay, well, I didn't know that it was a well, once we and have the, 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 the,